Welcome to Ten Bestest, where we sift through the noise so you don't have to. Each week, we share our ten favorite things of the moment. Anything goes. Welcome, everyone. My name is Brian Hart, and today I am so excited. We have a very special show. This is going to be called my Sundance Family Show. I have a bunch of my friends from Sundance that I volunteer with. I think it's been 18 or so years now. And the first person that I had to have on the show was our fearless leader, Tony Cabral. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, thank you much. Yeah, no, great to be here. Yes. So Tony is at Sundance. He's the manager of the theater. I am his assistant. And you've been doing it even longer than me, much longer than me. I've been doing this since right out of college. I started in the year 2000. Wow. So yeah, it's it's been so uh, cool. 21, 21 Sundances. So yeah. Yeah. And I think I started at Egyptian theater my second year and you were already captain of the ship and the rest is history. I kind of... Uh, yeah was just one of the regular old Joes on crew. And then I don't remember when I became your assistant, but it happened somehow. And well, we, all, we all start there. We all start, sense, and we all start yeah. as a volunteer and we get asked to take a step up. And I remember the opportunity came and they called me and they asked if I felt that you'd be a good fit to be my assistant manager for the next year. And you I don't really think I could say absolutely fast. Oh, <laughs> 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 no, it's an honor. It's been an honor and a privilege, my friend. Yeah, so, no, it's been a lot of fun. And just so some of the listeners know, we might be manager of the theater and assistant manager. We're still volunteers, <laughs> just for are, the record. Very much. Yeah. Very so, much um, volunteers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> also in the real world, so to speak, you're a filmmaker, assistant director uh, mm-hmm. by trade. So anything you want to add to that? No, I, I, it's you're very correct. I mean, I'm blessed to be a member of the Directors Guild, and I get yeah, to play so and make cool. believe for a living, and be part of some amazing films, and send out the magic to the world for everyone to enjoy. Yeah, so that's really cool. And you live in Chicago right now, is that right? So Chicago, Illinois. Dead yeah, center. so this is really cool. To I love having not only just my friends that aren't usually on the show, but people from different areas and different walks of life and industries, even though yours is similar to mine, but still you have a different perspective. And I think you're going to, everybody here is going to bring something really cool to the show. You also work in a different type of production. Absolutely. Very, I I work on feature films, television, and you do. I'm more corporate video, things like that. Yeah. Nonprofit, a lot of work like that. So yeah, very similar, but very different, which is kind of fun too. And I love when we get at Sundance and we kind of talk shop on the differences and similarities all the time. It's really neat. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I guess we could talk forever, but I guess we should actually start the show. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, we could talk forever. That is true. Yes. In fact, we have been talking for quite a while. In fact, actually, I should mention this. This is really cool. This is your birthday today. And you're today on the show. Actually, my birthday. How, Thank you very how much. How amazing yes. is that? The show's going to air quite a ways away because we tape ahead. But at the day of recording, it's your birthday, man. That, and, it is you know, my birthday. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing this day. No, with I'm, us. I'm blessed to get to spend it with one of my best friends. So thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. All right. All right. I better start. My first cool sheet is a short film. And this, not coincidentally, I picked this uh, cool sheet because it played at the Egyptian Theater, a short film. I think it was before one of our features that happens from time to time. This short film is called Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. 
and it's by Becky Salone and Joseph Pelling. So I first saw this in 2011, I think, so a while ago. And it's now on YouTube, though, and it has over 59 probably over 60 million views now. And it starts off with these two puppets and one person in a full puppet costume. So two hand puppets and the one full length puppet. And it's this real kind of schoolhouse rock feel, this fun and poppy, weird though, that you know there's something weird going on. And this notebook like comes to life and starts talking about being creative. And he sings it in a song and he says how fun it is to be creative. And then the Puppets don't really know what's going on, but they eventually get into it, and he kind of takes them on a journey about being creative and and uh, looking at the clouds and the sky and other things like this. And then all of a sudden, this film takes a really dark turn and gets super twisted and super weird. And I'm going to leave that description of that film right there, and you should just go check it out because I don't want to ruin it. But I will say that now there are over six different episodes and even merch. And so this is like turned into what has become this offbeat short Sundance film. It has become like it has this cult following, which I love even more. That's what's great about short films. I need to look and see if these directors have done any features. That would be important to know, but I don't know. So check that out. It is a short film. Don't hug me. I'm scared. Have you seen this? You because- know, I I don't remember that short specifically, but it sounds like some of the things that I've seen brought into kind of the zeitgeist currently of like the schoolhouse rock, something's really fun. And what is warping yeah. into, yeah. Yeah. And I know a lot of the times being a theater manager, you can't be inside because the short films, especially they play in the beginning of the film. So right. we're usually really busy. And in fact, in 2011, I might not have even been the assistant at that point. And because it's also hard for me to get in the theater a lot of the time, because I remember I was I ducked in and saw it. And and I just remember thinking first, like, what the heck did I just watch? You know, we work the midnight shift at the Egyptian theater. So we get all the weird stuff. And thank goodness, because I have a weird sense of humor. I have a very dark sense of humor and just a love for the weirdness. And it was perfect. <laughs> well, in 2011, you would have been my assistant manager. The question oh, okay. is more, what was the feature it was playing with? Yeah, true. And that it. would probably be able to to answer that question. Yeah, you, um, you might have it on file there. But that's, yeah, we'll, we'll maybe we'll take a look at that later. But yeah, uh, I just it has been a film that has stuck with me for a while. And we used to quote it, the Sundance family. <laughs> on crew would quote it every once in a while. There's one specific thing where they talk about different colors and they're like, yellow, blue. And then one is like green. And the guy, the notebook's like, no, green is not a creative color. <laughs> like, like and the, the, the other puppet gets really, really sad because his color isn't considered creative, which is just absurd, of course. And that's why it's funny, at least to me. It gives you just a taste, a small taste of insane. I will say, even though this is puppets and this is see, this is not kid friendly, it gets yes, quite disturbing. This is not just a, a a short film to watch with the children's, at least not very young. Uh, but I do think you should check it out if you like darker stuff. No, I mean certainly. I, I think the thing is, is when you can be creative in that short format, it's even more important, and you can have fun with it. And, and you are very correct. The 
which colors are creative has come up over the years at some yes, absolutely. In our internal conversations and jokes. Yes. Yeah. Very yeah. much so. Yes. All right. Well, T, you have the floor. Why don't you oh, uh, share your crikey? Sheet? You're, you're, you're sending it towards me. Well, great. Yeah. My cool sheet today, Mr. Hart, is actually the alter ego effect by Todd Harmon. Now, an interesting fact that I had recently learned is Todd Harmon, who's a consultant and he helps develop a lot of professional athletes and celebrities and business types, he kind of has always been using this philosophy and formula that you can create, we all have an internal ability to use our imagination to be somebody else. And the ability to embrace an alter ego, someone that allows us to be the best we can be and not be scared or nervous or let something stop us is something that we all have inside of us. We do it as kids. And we kind of, as we get older, we kind of put away childish things. The problem is this is one of those childish things we should be holding on to. And a lot of very prominent and successful professional athletes, especially have used the same principle for years. I mean, LeBron James has been known to use it. Bo Jackson was one that he had mentioned in one of the things that I listened to, that they all kind of secretly had this, not knowing that this was a thing, that they all kind of have their own internal character that they can take on, whether it be to control aggression, to bring out uh, better, to take get rid of anxiety. Even Beyonce has been known to use it before. But it's just this thing that, you know, like Superman – Somebody who I know I've seen I've seen photos of you with a with a cape and an S on your chest, Brian. That the ability to have Superman is Superman or Clark Kent. Who is the alter ego? Well, Clark would put on the glasses so that he would be just a normal person in the world, and no one would hold it against him that he was not a human. Whereas when he needed to be himself, he would take off the glasses and be Superman. And, you know, Todd himself has said many times in a lot of the interviews that, like, his was the reverse. He would put on glasses he did not need to be a businessman, you know? And I think using your imagination to find that internal alter ego can bring out the best of us. And that's my cool sheet for the day. So this is so cool. I love this because I've never actually heard of this defined. Right. I've gotten the principle of it, and, and but it is something that I probably – haven't thought about as kind of a, a way to go about your life uh, mm-hmm. as you grow up. I really love that. Although I do know somebody that kind of uses this to its full extent. And I met her, I forget, through TEDx Salem. I think she she well, just wanted to be a vendor or something. And then I kind of learned who she was. And, and then so she has, and, and I bet you a lot of people have this kind of thing is where they she has like an online persona almost. And she has mm-hmm. pink hair and she does all these fun things. And and so I actually, that's how I was introduced to her through an email, didn't have her face, but then I looked her up, saw her online, saw this personality. And I was like, oh, this person's really cool. Like I really like her style. And then one day she blew me away when she like took off her wig and was like, some of you might not know this. My name is actually this, and this is my alter ego. And here's why I do it. Like, it makes me feel like I can be anything I want to be. Like I put on the wig, I put on this persona. And and then, so my life is better. I take more chances. I do things that maybe my normal self wouldn't do. And I was like, kind of blown away, but it's this, it's, it's exactly, I think what you're talking 100%. about. 100%. And, and with yeah. technology and social media today, I think a lot of people like vicariously live in the oasis in their avatar because that's not their 
reality and they can be whoever they want. They can take risks. They can take chances. Athletes yeah. can be more dominating on, on the field. Absolutely. Salesmen can close the deal. And it allows you, I think the big thing also was, is taking on that alter ego allows you to not care that you need validation. You can get rid of the doubt that any trigger of insecurity from other people, you can learn to shut out. And it's not something that like, this yeah. isn't like a, you wake up tomorrow and put a cape on, you want to be a superhero. It's not that easy. It takes right. practice and takes time. But yeah, it, it's that theory that, hey, you know something, if I don't want to like listen to naysayers or if I want to be stronger, you know, I mean, that was the whole thing about like Beyonce Knowles. Like she was nervous about getting on stage and performing for millions of people and wearing sexy outfits and everything else. But Sasha Fierce wasn't. And so okay, yeah. as she began her career, you know, she had to become this alter persona until that persona has, and it's had served its purpose. And like the two can become yeah. one. Yeah, I know. I really, really love this. So thank you so much for sharing that. It's really well, thank cool. you for having me here on my birthday. Yes. No, man, that's so cool. So real quick before we go, how can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about you? Things like that. What's sure. the best way? Uh, my website is acefilms.com. It's really simple. A-C-E-F-I-L-M-S.com. Uh, yeah. I'm on most social media platforms. Uh, my handle, because other people had gobbled up Ace Films, my handles are usually Ace Films 1, Ace Films with the number 1 on Instagram and Twitter and, and nice. so forth. Perfect. Um, and then Facebook.com slash Ace Films. Um, that's yeah. where I, uh, I post. And currently you're doing a really cool live discussion every Wednesday night. So hopefully that's still happening when this gets released in a, in a month or so, but uh, I've really been enjoying that. So tell me really quick about that too, because so, so it's is, just, who would like that? Who would want to see that show? Beginning of the COVID-19 kind of shutdown of the entire country. I saw some other friends using live streaming to share what they know, their experience, their knowledge. And so I asked the interwebs if I should, and a lot of people said yes. So I chose the middle of the week. So it was on a weekend. I chose Wednesday nights in the evening at you know 9 p.m. Central when most people are at home between work, bed, and relaxation. And I try to share and impart experience, knowledge, philosophy, and motivation for people who are trying to either get into in their early steps of or continue their careers within the film industry. So I focus it on people who are trying to break and enter in and people who are trying to get their, their legs under them and so forth and share my experience of, of my amazingly blessed tenure in this industry. So other people can avoid the pitfalls that I've had. That's really cool. And so, yeah, and I've definitely watched a few of those shows at least, and I need to watch some more and you can want, you don't have to just tune in live. Although I do suggest that that's the most fun you'll comment and you'll answer the comments and that's will, really yeah. cool of course but you can also watch them later and uh but this is definitely a bonus cool sheet and, and in fact i need to tell karen my co-host uh because her son's getting in the film in industry he's starting film Probably. school this year just starting film school just graduated high school and going into film school so i need him to check that out and yeah anybody else interested in the film industry for sure bonus cool sheet how great we got a twofer Nice job. Good and thanks one, again yeah. for being on the show. And happy thanks birthday. Thanks for having me, Brian. Thank uh, you. Yes. Okay. For our next special guest on this Sundance family, I have Sean. So welcome to the show. How are you? 
Hello, welcome. I'm good. You know, just living it up in Canada as one does. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, one of my favorite things about the Sundance family is people are from everywhere and that's going to be extra cool on the show. So we have all these ideas. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself really quickly and then we'll dive in. Okay, well, most importantly, and this is what we bonded over, but I love ice cream. And I think if there's one thing anyone needs to know about me, it is this fact. But other fun things, I live in Canada, I work in social media, I really like social media, I find a lot of people who work in it don't actually like it, which makes sense, because it's very stressful. But um, I spend a lot of time online. And one of the reasons I go to Sundance is because I love movies. So between movies and ice cream, that's kind of all you need to know about me. I know. I think I joke, I don't know, at least maybe I've said it to you a couple of times, we're ice cream soulmates because I've never, I don't know if I've ever met anybody that likes it. Actually, John McNally's pretty close. Did you volunteer when John was around? Maybe you were the regional. Yeah, early early days. Early yeah. days. I haven't seen him in a while. Yeah. So yeah, since he doesn't volunteer anymore, but yeah, he also, he might like, I think it's the three of us are, are the, the kings and queens of ice cream. So it's always fun. <laughs> To find someone that you that, that loves it as much as you, especially that. Cool. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and uh, go for it, and then we'll talk some more. Awesome. My cool sheet is going to be a YouTube channel. It's actually the kind of two channels, and the one that I want to talk about the most is it's called Without Music. And so they take music videos, and they take out the actual music and they just keep the sound effects. And some of the, they use some of the vocals. Uh, so they're redubbing this. They're kind of using fully sound, um, which I also love since I'm in uh, the film world. And I actually, it's funny because I first heard about this when I watched a Britney Spears video. And it's by an actually different person. This person's just called Musicless Music Videos. And so she's in this red red leather outfit. And it's just like the squeaking of the leather basically the whole time. And kind of her like little grunts when she's dancing and, and you know, the swish when she moves her arm. <laughs> and it's hilarious. And I, you know, I couldn't remember where I found it. So I did a Google search and without music came up and they actually do about two music videos per month and still quite regular. Um, so that's also a good resource. Um, but the original guy, he just doesn't do his videos as often. His name is Mario Wenrothier. And so he does have some. And in fact, he even has, he has Mark Zuckerberg during the uh, Senate hearings and the same idea where he's just like slurping his coffee or his water and making funny gestures and sounds and it's cut really uniquely. So he actually does more than music videos. These are both just hilarious YouTube channels that I will link in our show notes to check out without music. Shush, shush. No, I do Perfect. it. No, you do it. Okay. You do it. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah, I it. do it. Okay. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I'm distracted. I was thinking about the music videos. I um, yeah. is there a is there a frozen one? Because yes. I've seen okay. Because I saw a little clip of one with um, Elsa <laughs> running and her feet like slapping against the ground, and I was like, "This is." It, it was almost borderline like a little gross to me because I didn't like the yeah. sound of the feet slapping <laughs> on the ground. 
but and then yeah. you heard the like the heavy breathing the because that's what would happen if you were like running around in the snow yeah yeah i yeah. i had no idea it was a whole channel though it's a whole channel yeah and i didn't know two a month or so and they have 2.34 million subscribers so what's yeah wild and uh yeah the 4.2 million views on the frozen one <laughs> So, you know, they're making money, like real money, doing this crazy stuff. And it's, of course, this is how the world works. I'm pretty sure that the Mario person might have done it first, possibly. But, of course, this without music is way more popular. (laughs) I don't know that, actually. (laughs) So, I guess he did Happy six years ago. Uh, Yeah. So, the other guy did a Queen video seven years ago. So, yeah. He he did it first, but he's not as popular. <laughs> Whatever. Dang. They're Thanks actually they're the both breaks. Good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And obviously the sound effects on this what's kind of makes them either funny or disgusting yeah. and, and weird, is it's like turned up to eleven as well. Yeah. You know, so it's these sound effects super, super loud. It's just hilarious though. It's it's a fun little Imagine. rabbit hole you can go down. <laughs> I just can't imagine coming up with that idea. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> like, the Britney Spears one is inspired because you know that suit made so much noise <laughs> right. on set. Like, and that's probably what it was. It was like, yeah, they I bet that suit was super speaky. Yeah, yeah, and I, I bet like any like unedited audio from that is just the squeaks of her, moving. <laughs> yeah, or like the tennis shoe squeaks. Yeah. But, uh, and that's also got to take forever to edit, right? Like just oh, yeah. hours and hours of like, cause you're basically redoing Foley. Like you're essentially like you're adding Foley back into it that right. they painstakingly deleted because, of, <laughs> yeah. or in the case of an animated movie, it was not there at all to begin with. <laughs> right. Right. They avoided it. On yeah. It's like, we don't, we don't want to hear these noises. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And it kind of, you know, I'm sure music videos, you know, they don't have the music, obviously the music blaring and, you know, it's not, it's such a disconnect when you look at music videos, you kind of forget that these people are dancing. Yeah, sure. The the song is either in their earpiece or which is most of the time what's happening, or maybe they play it quietly, but it's certainly not like the big production of a music video, but in like the happy one, the way the music video They'll have people dancing in the streets and they're singing in, in, in this version, you know, different songs and different, you know, they're saying different things. It's just super funny. I love it so much. I, uh, I'm going to have to check out the rest. I didn't, I thought the Frozen thing was a one-off that someone yeah, with a lot of time did. I love right. that it's a channel or two channels. Yeah, two channels. Just two because one is not enough. That's right. Oh gosh. Okay, well. Your turn. Okay. My cool sheet is Twilight. (laughs) Yes. The Twilight Saga, I'm specifically going to focus on the movies because to me, the movies were always way more fun than the books. Um, And so one reason that I really love Twilight a lot is because of how successful it was being what it was, which is a film franchise firmly rooted in the romance genre, specifically made for young girls and women. And those two genres don't get a lot of respect and they're usually discounted particularly in the film industry and that's why originally Catherine Hardick was allowed to direct Twilight because nobody thought it was going to make any money they're like it's for teen girls who cares so they deemed a woman worthy to direct it and 
it went on to make billions of dollars. In fact, the whole franchise made $3.3 billion. And I think that is so cool for something that is essentially, you know, for teenage girls. And another reason why I love Twilight is how much fun the fan base has. And there's a lot of meme culture surrounding it. And that's why I've been watching Twilight recently. Um, there's like this Twilight moment happening currently. Um, Us in the know call it a Twilight Renaissance. And it's happening for a lot of reasons. There was a new Twilight book that came out. I think all the teenagers that watch Twilight as teens are now revisiting it because of quarantine times. But there's TikTok niches, there's Instagram channels, there's all of this new meme culture of people making fun of these movies because they are inherently very funny. And I just love getting to experience that again because it was different back in 2008 because the internet wasn't quite what it is now. And I've been revisiting Twilight a lot the past spring, summer, and fall now because it's like the perfect quarantine bomb. Like the movies are so silly and so over the top. And it's like to get to dive into the love triangle that is Bella, Edward, and Jacob and turn off my brain for a little while is a true gift. And I think that everybody needs to experience it. If you are stressed, watch Twilight. It may help. And that is my cool sheet. (laughs) <laughs> oh man that's so great i love your passion for twilight for sure and uh yeah i have to admit i haven't seen it which is and i never i'm trying to remember i know i always said like the harry potter movies i never it was never like i was against them i did think when twilight first came out i probably thought oh gosh, this is pretty silly. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know if I can watch it. Absolutely. Uh, but, um, yeah, it has become such a phenomenon. Although I will say that I do remember very specifically, I can't remember where I was going. It would be really cool if I was going to sentence, but I remember being in the airport and seeing that the Twilight books and remembering I was like, wow, I have no idea what this is, but that's a really intriguing cover. Whoever did her art cover mm-hmm. or the art cover for it, I was genius because it was it definitely got my attention right off yep. the bat. And you know, when you're in a in the airport, you're usually, you know, a lot of people look for books. I do too, but I remember stopping in my tracks and wanting to find out more. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, when I found it, I guess the the thing that I was, I was such a traditionalist in the vampire genre. And I was like, sparkles and sun and what? <laughs> oh, I'm not going there. Um, <laughs> so I probably did have some kind of, it wasn't, I don't think it was like, oh, this is geared for teenage girls. I can't read this. But I was kind of like a purist, I guess, and, and too much into that. But and I've seen clips. Uh, I, d- I just need to go there. I need to go just, there on the movies now you, more than ever, probably. You need to dive in. <laughs> and I will say, when, when the books first came out, I love YA fantasy, so I'll read everything. And when they came yeah. out, I was in my 20s. I got to the chapter where they all play baseball because it's a vampire's <laughs> favorite sport, and I promptly <laughs> shut the book. I shut the book, and I was like, I cannot take any more. And I, I never revisited it. And oh, then wow. a few years later, when they they announced the movies, I was like, Robert Pattinson, I am back on board. <laughs> <laughs> and I very quickly finished the book. And what did it for me was the first movie, I didn't even see on opening day. Like, it came out like it happened. And 
it was in, I grew up in this town called Oakville and they had one of those like, you know, little cheap theaters where like second run movies go for like five bucks. And I went to see it there with my friend first and we died. Like we thought it was the funniest (laughs) thing ever. We went and saw it immediately almost again. And then I remember going to this diner and we sat down. I was like, let's make a spoof of this. And we spent like weeks writing like we wrote it was just the two of us we wrote a script we got my we got my boyfriend at the time to like help us film it it was with a little point and shoot I edited it and that bonding experience like just really like solidified my love for the movies and it's they are dumb movies they are not good movies but (laughs) I love how they just god the subject matter like they're doing what they can from the books and the books are really stupid but the first one Catherine Hardwick really tried to bring some sort of semblance of like realism to it. Like these are just two teenagers falling in love. And she really tried. That was all discarded once they made money and they went to the new ones. It was like, we got to make millions of dollars now, but I can't explain why. Like, and when I latched onto it then in like 2008, like me and my friend had our moment. I went and saw all the other movies. I dragged friends to them. I thought it was fun, but then I kind of moved on with my life. Like the last few years, like I would, you know, people would bring it up. I'd mention it, but in the last maybe two years or so it's like slowly been coming back onto everyone's radars. And I think it is because the tweens and teenagers are now of an age where they're like thinking about it again. And, mm-hmm. and like, it's just, it's back. And I think also like Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart becoming so famous on their own, like it just inevitably gets mentioned. And then, you know, Robert Pattinson now being Batman, you cannot yeah. help but make comparisons like sorry right. you decide to become a batman we're going to make fun of it like we yeah. can't not make fun of that but yeah, yeah. it's um yeah the phenomenon is very interesting and and i sparkly vampires are definitely very silly regardless of whether they're for teen girls or not but <laughs> i i do find it really interesting how few movie franchises there are that are just for girls that do yeah. well um yeah like like the only thing that could even come close to this in success numbers would be like frozen. But I would say frozen is more of a family thing and it's not really a love story. It's like the first one's mass as a love story, but it's about sisterly bonds. And the second one is finding yourself. And I don't think they're there. They can be compared, but it's like so very like not often enough do like young girls, like things that are for girls, like romance get, the chance to like dominate the world. And I think that's cool. Yeah. 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 No, that's super cool. So I guess we have to say, so you team Edward, is that? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. And that, that's the vampire. (laughs) Um, The, the werewolf situation. No, no one can actually be team Jacob. If you're team Jacob (laughs) out there, you must evaluate all of your life choices that led you to that moment. And I cannot trust you. (laughs) If you watch the movies, you would understand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's where I'm missing. (laughs) You, you need, you need to watch them all and then let me know your feelings on the love triangle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Well, and it's okay, so there's so many things I love about this. First of all, I love that you're such a fan and and so many other people are fans knowing that you know you said that the movies and the books are pretty ridiculous, but you'd still love it. That's something that I don't think we embrace enough. That it is totally okay to know that this is ridiculous or whatever not good. 
and you can still absolutely love it because there's so much of like, well, I don't like it because it's not good. So I can't like it. And, and, and then no one wants to admit that. So I love the fact that the fandom doesn't take itself too seriously or at least the movies and everything. So that's super cool. Super, super cool to me. And also the the fact that that Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson, those could have been movies that define them so, and they, you know, you hear about people that never get work and all of this happens, but they, and it took them a while. I think everybody tried to lock them down into that silliness, but they, they shattered it. And now they're both pretty well-respected actors. And it's, that's really cool. Cause that's also rare. Like this broke the mold in so many different ways, which is really great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And even um, Anna Kendrick is in The Twilights as a human. Oh, wow. Those were those are some of her earlier movies. I mean, yeah. she'll probably, she'll never talk about being in Twilight. <laughs> but by the end, there were so many, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, you, you know, like how in Harry Potter, every British actor ever born ended up having a cameo at one point. But like yeah. by the end of Twilight, Michael Sheen was a vampire. Rami Malek has a cameo as a oh, vampire. Wow. Lee Pace is a vampire. Like Dakota Fanning is a vampire. Everybody is in this movie as a vampire. And why would you not be? Why would you not be? But yeah, that what you mentioned about like having fun. Like I think, I feel like with movies, people get so bogged down with like thinking it needs to be taken seriously to be like, or I don't know. I find that with a lot of the like Marvel and superhero movies, it's like, Oh, it can't be bad because I love it so much. It has to be like the greatest movie. It's like, it can be your greatest movie of all time, but it can also be a bad movie. Like I think I, I wish people would just embrace liking bad things. Like I, I don't believe in the phrase guilty pleasure because I like, I am not guilty about liking twilight. Like I'm not guilty about liking any of the things that I like that are inherently stupid. And I feel like if we could all just be like that, I think, maybe film Twitter would be a happier place where it wasn't just <laughs> so angry all the time of just, yeah, right. Or just taking movies to like, there is nothing about the Marvel franchise that should be taken as seriously as it is, but yeah, like though, like, and the, the DC franchise to like, all, those movies are like Bibles to people. And it, it just, mm-hmm. it's like, these are men and women in tights <laughs> yeah. doing like, like what, like, a man turning green when he gets angry to me is like just as silly as a vampire that sparkles on like some kind of right. level. Like it, yeah, it's like, no kidding. like, come on now. Yeah. But, but the, the Mar- like, and I will say the Marvel movies are definitely better. Like there's <laughs> better, there's better storylines, but sometimes I wonder, is it better because I've been trained to think that a romance story doesn't hold any weight. Like, but also the Twilight romance itself is like a bit too ridiculous. Like there's better <laughs> romances out there for sure. Like at, at one point there is a werewolf that imprints on a baby and they fall in love. Like there's just like a lot going on in these movies, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting to look at like what, what bad things are allowed to succeed or even have like moments like the original Spider-Man movies that everyone hated. Now people like, and they, it's yeah. like, Oh yeah, we, we like those first three Spider-Mans now. And it's like, Oh, okay. But, can we ever like Twilight? Probably not, but yeah. I don't know. Maybe objectively the Twilight movies are probably worse than the Spider-Man <laughs> movies. <laughs> probably. <laughs> but you still love it. And that's I still what, love them. And I don't, awesome. they, they make me laugh when I don't, I laugh more watching Twilight than any other movie because it's so, so stupid. 
<laughs> and another gift you could give to yourself is watching the movies with the commentary because oh. Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart both they may hate these movies. They probably do, but they don't hide how ridiculous they are. Like if you go to YouTube and look up like Robert Pattinson, Twilight commentary, like it's skating. Like there is zero respect for these movies. It's like (laughs) along the lines of like the, um, the Ben Affleck Armageddon commentary, which is another really great one, (laughs) but it's just like, (laughs) the Ben Affleck Armageddon commentary is perfect, but that's what Robert Pattinson is like talking about Twilight. And it's just like, it's really beautiful that even you can revisit the movies you were in and recognize them for how stupid they were and not like get all caught up in needing to be like, Oh, I'm only in good movies or whatever. Right. Well, and when you talk about the Marvel DC thing, so I constantly have to defend that. I, that I like the DC movies, a lot of the Superman, you know, the Batman versus Superman and, so even in that genre, you know, everybody's like, well, Marvel's the best and they make the best movies. And if you like the Superman versus Batman, you, you, you even though like within the comic book nerd culture, they're like fighting with each other. And, and I'm like, no, I like Superman. And if he's in a movie, I'm going to enjoy it. And yeah, I can tell you that it's not as the storyline and the whatever's is not as good, but I had a good time and I'm going to watch it a few more times. And, yeah, but exactly. yeah, you get, no. I get a lot of shape for it and it's crazy. So I love that. It. That fight is like so strange to me. Like the, yeah, the DC exactly. versus like, I feel like DC's had a chip on their shoulder ever since Christopher Nolan made a bunch of Batman's like he kind of set them up for failure after that. Yeah. Because once Christopher Nolan's made a few of your films, you don't come back from that. Like <laughs> right. that, that, that also set, I think, an unfair standard because I like fun superhero movies. Like I yeah. love Shazam. Like that was a yeah. lot of fun for me. Like I've yeah. seen it a couple of times. That's great. Like, and I get that we can... Like, I I don't know. Like, that's why I don't know about this new Batman because it's like gritty. Like, oh, we got to yeah. be grittier. <laughs> or like how like I never I never saw the Joker movie because I just had no interest. That just seemed like such a drag to me. Like, yeah. I, and just like just a really angry movie. But uh, I just yeah, I feel like there's this thing of like it has to be like serious. And like, does right. it have to be? Like, can it not like, like what is serious about Superman? He wears a cape and flies around and like saves people. Yeah. And says super cheesy stuff. Yeah. We all love it because it's about America, you know, right. (laughs) So it's cool. And I love Superman, but yeah, I can, I can see the obvious like craziness of it. Yeah, like they're supposed to be fun. That's why my favorite Batman is Batman Forever. <laughs> because I love Jim Carrey and I liked uh I liked the vision, Joel Schumacher, right? Like his his vision was so great and particularly that movie came out when I was like 10 or something, so prime like youth movie, but there's a line in it that uh Robin says to Batman holy rusted metal Batman and that was that's very much a throwback to the original cartoons which I loved yeah and absolutely that I I was such a fan of puns as a child I still am I'm a huge <laughs> fan of puns but when that happened in theaters I like I was just like that is the best line of dialogue I've ever and I would, I'd be like you understand why it's funny right because the ground had holes like I would explain it to people so, so they'd understand the pun and no one cared. They understood. They just didn't think it was funny. But 
<laughs> that's what I want in my Batman movie. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Well, I want like, it, like I want George Clooney in like a nipple suit. Like that's that's just what I want. Like that's what that's what we all should deserve in our Batman movies. Like Oh gosh, that's funny. Well, and it, it took the Joker the super dark insane one before it won like big awards, right? I mean, usually they'll give uh some technical awards to special yeah. effects and things like that, but it never gets serious acting or best picture or whatever. And it took like the darkest of the dark. Like even the Christopher Nolan one of the best performances uh for the Joker, you know. <laughs> and maybe he won. Maybe he won for supporting actor. Yeah. But the film like critically wasn't mm-hmm. until it was like oh we got to make it even darker than that yeah even you know like more twisted and more whatever and i i actually do like the gritty and the dark as well but i also like the absurd and the the flowery craziness so yeah maybe i should give twilight a chance i mean because- you never know you never <laughs> know yeah that that's a good point too about like and I think that's an inherent problem with award systems, like looking mm-hmm. at something being serious and therefore worthy of an award or yeah. only certain kinds of comedies will go into the comedy genre where it's like, oh, it needs to be an elevated comedy or whatever. Like yeah. you're, 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 you're like, like, you know, Adam Sandler's Hubie Halloween will never get nominated for awards, <laughs> even if it is really funny. Cause I think it was with, um, with Heath Ledger's, it was posthumously awarded, but like once there was that taste of that, it was like, oh yeah. And now I feel like everyone's striving to that where it's like, we want to get nominated for things. And it's like, do we need our superhero movies? Well, one, it would be cool if the Academy and the awarding bodies would recognize movies outside of like, cause I think Black Panther was one of the first in a long time to get nominated for multiple awards across things, but outside of like the special effects thing. but. So that's like a totally different conversation, but also do they, do they need to have awards to be like, to have merit? Like can the fans not just enjoy them? Like, do we have to like, it's like, you know, comparing dick sizes of like my my superhero (laughs) movie is better than your superhero movie. Right. Well, and that's kind of where the numbers don't lie because you know, these, the, the Twilight franchise made billions and you know, yeah, a lot of these movies will make money. So who, you know, yeah, exactly. I think sometimes Spiggy's like, I don't care about uh, the Oscar might be nice, but I'm also a billionaire, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> you know, so that's cool. <laughs> no, no, no one, no one running Marvel is like really vying for Oscars yeah, at this yeah. point. <laughs> you yeah. know, they really don't need them. Disney doesn't need any more. They'll keep like raking in their like animated one every few years. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, but yeah, I, well, I highly recommend giving Twilight a try. Like it's, they're not perfect. They're, they're problematic. Like if I had to dig into them, I'd say there's a lot of things wrong with them in terms of relationship <laughs> representation and a bunch of other things, but uh, they're also, they're just, they honestly saved me this summer. Like it just mindless, like turn off your brain, <laughs> fall in yeah, love. Yeah. And that's, we need a lot more of that for sure I mean, right now this may be what keeps people going until November 3rd. Like just having like, a little, like <laughs> you don't want to turn off completely. We all need to be at the ready, but yeah. like you yeah, gotta, absolutely. you need, you need like a couple of moments. And luckily the Twilight franchise is five very long movies too long. Like they don't need to be that long, <laughs> but it's like, it could be 15 hours or whatever of your life that you get to just turn off and, pay attention to a love story instead of what's <laughs> happening in the world oh gosh you do the twilight would save us <laughs> i mean it may it may just god bless you robert pattinson for helping us in these dark times 
<laughs> oh man well this thank you so much for for sharing that and for being on the show i love it this is so great this is why i love having guests from all over because twilight would never have been a cool sheet on carrying eyes uh radar so Thank goodness. Uh, I love it. I love you it. You are welcome. <laughs> I, I was reading through their cool back if I, I, I want yeah. But yeah, no, I was reading through other cool sheets last night. I was like, should I change mine to something a little cooler or better? No, I'm so <laughs> glad you stuck with it. I'm so happy. <laughs> um, all right. Well, f- thanks again for being on the show. If people want to know more about your work and things you do, do you have some links? Or Obviously, they'll be on the website as well, but why don't you give us uh, something to... Yeah, um, I'm... I'm online on all of them, um, but I'm mostly on Twitter and then also Instagram and TikTok, et cetera. But my handle is Charnacious, which was my nickname if I was ever going to become a rapper. Um, and I do have a website, which you can find through those handles, but no one wants to hire me for social media work. That's boring, but you can follow me on the internet. And yes. it's like, it's a lot of twilight jokes and other such fun things. I don't take myself seriously. So yeah, don't, don't follow me for anything of merit. Just if you want shit, <laughs> if you want shit posting, please give me a follow. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, great. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, so my next guest is my good friend Kevin, and uh, I'm really excited. Kevin, thanks for being on the show. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you for having me, Brian. Yeah, so I'm uh, basically a a freelance film critic from the northern suburbs of Chicago. Uh, I've known Brian for over a decade now since I've been at Sundance for 10 years, so that's pretty crazy. You know each other through the Sundance Film Festival. I'm just really excited to be on this podcast. It's a lot of fun very informative and very interesting. So I'm um, excited to give a little bit of insight to something that I like. That's really it. Just happy to be here. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on too. You've been on, uh, when I did another podcast, uh, Geekly Update, you were on that a couple yeah. different times, just because we have a lot of similar interests in movies and geekly stuff. So you were <laughs> a good addition to that. It was really fun. So I'm excited to have you on the show yeah a decade that's wild too it's crazy wild to believe (laughs) but true yeah so uh all right well i'll go first on mine and this cool sheet is going to be a kind of a funny one but it's a food slash recipe and it's homemade popcorn so the sense this is kind of the (laughs) sundance family i figured uh, that i want to talk about homemade popcorn because i haven't really made popcorn without a microwave popcorn or, you know, Jiffy Pop or something. And I really want to talk about just actually making it from scratch. It's super easy. There's no chemicals. There's no crappy oils and preservatives. Who knows what's in those microwave bags? And it's actually, it is super easy. It's probably cheaper as well. And it tastes way better, way better than anything else you can get. So there are four categories of corn. I actually found this out for the show. There's sweet corn, field corn, ornamental corn, and then popcorn. So of course, you know, at, when I was a kid, I just thought you would, I was like, how do they make popcorn? You must just cut it off the, the husk and put it in, you know, the fryer or whatever, and it pops. That's not true. So it is a specific kind of corn. So you do have to get that. But again, it's super cheap and you, it's very easy. I take a third a cup of the popcorn kernels and I put a little bit of oil. I use canola oil in a in a big pot. You do want a big pot because it will pop and you need a lid for that. Obviously you heat up the oil, you put in the popcorn, 
And within a couple minutes, it starts popping. And you kind of shake the pot around, you know, to move a, move the corn and the oil so it doesn't burn and stick. And once it's done popping, it's pretty obvious. And then you and I would say let the uh, air pressure uh, come up a little bit. What I do, and then I put real butter, I put nutritional yeast, some Parmesan salt and i put pepper too is my secret ingredient mix that all up together and there you go you're ready for your at home popcorn that sounds amazing that's <laughs> so good yeah it's it's wild to me because it's so easy um but i just never did it you know i just did yeah, uh, microwave popcorn whatever it's also fun when you have friends over uh to just make it, you know, because it, it pops and it, it's just fun. I don't know. It's just fun. Even yeah. by yourself. Uh, exactly. Yeah. It's, more, it's definitely an activity. And it's, but it's, like you said, super easy. And it sounds super easy. And yeah. it just sounds awesome. It just sounds yeah, so good. A Parmesan way, on it, too. I'm just like, I need. Oh, God. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> the real butter, you know, because you're not going to get that with microwave popcorn. You're not going to get real butter. You're not going to get that, you know, whatever you want to add to it. You can add some rosemary. You can you can sweeten it up if you want to. You can do all kinds of things. But, you know, since we're kind of in the pandemic life, especially because the theaters just closed again, but we're still watching movies. We're watching them at home. And this is just mm-hmm. a kind of a more fun option to have your popcorn with your movies. So. Yeah, yeah, it definitely gives like, uh, especially like for parents and stuff like that, like doing that's yeah. something fun to make their kids to like make popcorn like at home with their kids. Like that's kind of a cool idea. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be a lot of fun too. Yeah, that's awesome. So great. All right, you're up. The thing that I've basically been obsessing over the last probably like two three weeks has been um, a movie podcast called This Had Oscar Buzz, and it's hosted by two film writers slash critics uh, named Joe Reed and Chris File. And it's a podcast that looks at movies that at one time had lofty aspirations of becoming an Academy Award winner or being an Academy Award nominee. But for one reason or another, those aspirations failed. And Joe and Chris kind of break it down as to why that possibly happened. Um, And the movies that they talk about really are different because they kind of, they're different movies that get Oscar buzz. So one kind of movie is like Lee Daniels, The Butler, which was a movie that had a lot of like precursor love. It got a lot of awards beforehand, but then just got snubbed on an Oscar morning. There's movies like The Way, Way Back, which was a Sundance movie that got a lot of buzz out of Sundance, but then the buzz is kind of faded. Um, and then there's um, a movie like Pay It Forward, which was a movie that just like sounded really good and real oscar on paper, but then ultimately just turned out to be a bad movie that nobody likes. So it's kind of all over the place. Um, Joe and Chris are really funny about that. They're gigantic Oscar nerds. And then um, it's always fun during each episode. I mean, they're funny and like the humor and they kind of go back and forth a lot with just like ripping on each other and ripping on movies and stuff, which is good. But they also do a lot of like quizzes. They'll quiz each other on like the highest grossing movies for Jessica Chastain or things like that, which is always fun for me to think about because I just like movie knowledge and movie quizzes. And then at the end of every episode, uh, they have an, it's called the IMDB game in which Joe and Chris, and if they have a guest or not, quiz each other on what four films a certain actor or actress has in their known for section on IMDB, which is crazy because the algorithm is kind of all over the place. But that's always fun to think about too and always fun to be quizzed on and figure out like what are the top what does imdb know ethan hawk for or something like that so uh it's a lot of fun the episodes are like under two hours so they're a little longer but i like them i have a long commute to work they're fun that's great i'm really enjoying it 
This podcast sounds really cool. I love this idea for so many reasons. Obviously, I love podcasts. I, I talk about a ton on this show and, of course, movies. And I love that they're not talking about ones that won Oscar, but the ones yeah. that had all the buzz and didn't mm-hmm. even get nominated, right? Yeah, like, didn't get nominated for anything. That's so yeah. cool. What a crazy yeah. idea. Uh, <laughs> And probably way more than we remember, you know, or you think about. Yeah, exactly. Especially, and, like, movies just, like, I know that movies get snubbed. And, like, obviously that yeah, happens every year. But I, like, absolutely. my favorite episodes are the ones when it's, like, oh, like, on paper this sounds great. Yeah, and then it's just yeah. trash. Like, those ones are my favorite episodes. So I'm, like, yeah, that's, like, not a good movie. Like, yeah. so a little more interesting to hear them talk about that. Because they'll kind of just, like, why did this turn out the way it did? Whereas, like, with, like. But yeah, like Lee Daniels, the Butler, or I forgot the other one I was listening to. But I've listened, I've honestly, I've binged so many episodes the last like two, three weeks, like nice. just nonstop. But just like those ones are just like, yeah, like the Academy just didn't like them. I was like, I want here movies that like are bad. And like I've seen a bunch of the movies and I get why. So right. it's, yeah, it's a great, it's a great <laughs> podcast. And they're, then Joe, Joe Reed and Chris Vile are so funny. Yeah. Yeah, I know, yeah. and I've never heard of this podcast, so I was super excited mm-hmm. when you, you talked about it, because I, I will definitely check it out. It sounds like yes. it's perfect for something that I would love. That's really cool. Thanks so much for sharing that. That's a, that's yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. All right, well, how can our listeners uh, get a hold of you, find out more things that you're doing? You're doing a lot of really cool stuff, so yeah. tell me about that. That's right. <laughs> Trying to. Um, so, yeah, so my main website that I write for is keflix.com, um, website that I started myself. So you can find all my movie stuff there, K-E-V-F-L-I-X.com. On Twitter and Instagram at keflix, Facebook, keflix. Currently right now covering the Chicago International Film Festival, which is doing virtual oh, cool. this year. So it's yeah. my, this is my fourth festival that I'm doing digitally this year, which has been hasn't been bad. It's actually been kind of interesting. Uh, I do yeah. miss the theatrical experience, but it's actually yeah. kind of convenient to just like have a film festival on your couch. That's pretty fun. Yeah, not bad. Not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, exactly. So I'm there. I'm also going to do, I'm also covering a couple AFI Fest movies this week. Nice. Um, so yeah, just doing a lot of that. But yeah, those are the main places to get me. Twitter, Instagram. Nice. Yeah, Great. and we will certainly have links um, on our show notes so you can quickly get to that as well. But yeah, I, I highly suggest checking out Kevflix because, and this isn't just because I know you, it's solid, man. I'm really, <laughs> I really enjoy what you've done because I've kind of seen it from inception when you had that idea, when you first started and how it's grown and how you've grown and it's really cool to watch that process, especially when it's a friend, but just in general, when you kind of see something from the beginning and how much you've evolved. It's really cool and it's really good content. So I highly recommend checking it out that. for sure. I appreciate that. I really man. appreciate it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy like how it's going, but I'm just, I'm just letting it ride. Like, I, don't, I like yeah. it. I mean, it's fun. It's fun to do. Like, I love it. I love feedback from like readers and stuff like that so yeah it's, it's kind of surreal but i love it and i appreciate all the support that i've gotten so far yeah yeah it's really cool uh so yeah everybody listening please check out kevflix and uh yeah thanks again for being on the show and we'll talk to you soon thank you for having me this was awesome all right for my next special guest i have lauren here who is also a sundance friend family i guess is a better description uh lauren thank you so much for joining me Hi, uh, it's good to be here. I'm really excited to be on 10 Bestest today. 
Yeah. And so, Lauren, you are a filmmaker, cinematographer. Is that true? And you live in the New York area. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. I am a filmmaker and I'm based in Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn in the house. All right. (laughs) Uh, Cool. All right. Well, I am super excited to have you on the show. And I'm really, I actually, I don't usually know people's cool sheets before, but for this episode, I, I've asked people to let me know, and I'm super excited about yours. <laughs> <laughs> so this is going to be really cool, but I will go first. And it is Chekhov's gun. So this is a kind of a concept, and it's a concept that describes how every element of a story should contribute to the whole. So Anton Pavlich Chekhov was a Russian physician, author, and playwright, and was widely regarded as one of the great masters of the short story. And he had this concept that the way he described it is in the first act, if you hung a pistol on the wall, the following act, it should be fired. Otherwise, don't put it there. So I really like this this lesson that he taught because it teaches us a lot about, of course, short stories. But Other things like that, too. I think in films, it's useful. And especially, I would say, like in film editing, I know that when I edit things, there's a lot of the times where you want to, you need it, you're constantly trying to take 20 hours of footage or more and and hone it down to a, a short film or even a feature and cut it way down. So every decision you have to think of, does this make sense? Does this move the story forward? or else take it out. Like you just have to, they sometimes like kill your darlings, kill your children. They have all these crazy things, another one. And so this Chekhov's gun kind of relates to that. It's also when I would coach a lot of people for TED Talks, it's the same thing. You would always have to condense it into its purest form to get it to that 18 minutes or less. And then aside from being literal, I kind of like it in a a broader sense, like a, a minimalist lifestyle or in your conversations, cutting it down a little bit, and even mindfulness. And then I will say too, my time's running out, but Ernest Hemingway actually hated this, and he would mock it and do the opposite. And I think that's true in film too. In film stories, I like having distractions that don't pan out. So it's not a diehard rule, but it's definitely something to think about, and that's Chekhov's gun. You nailed it. Do it correctly. (laughs) Um, Nailed it. So, yeah, I think that's a really interesting one. Um, and I definitely like the like lifestyle spin on it in terms of like, I don't know, I feel like in quarantine, I was thinking a lot about like, <laughs> what doesn't serve me? And I'm like, do I do I really need this? Like, is this helpful to me? No. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Now more than ever, it's kind of hitting <laughs> everybody where, whether they thought about it or not. Yeah. And even think about it in those terms, you know, for sure. And And I do like it's, I'm not saying it's a, the number one rule that you have to follow for sure, because there's movies that I like that specifically have things that don't ever get solved. Dialogue, characters, uh, questions. I remember just a, a lot of people didn't like this movie, but Eyes Wide Shut, there was this one scene, and I'll never forget it, where it really hit me. And someone came up to Tom Cruise's character and whispered something in his ear. And he had like this crazy emotional reaction and then she scooted off and I was like oh this is gonna pay off somewhere and it never did and I still so obviously I still think about it to this day and I was like oh now you can definitely overuse a tactic like that too 
So that's something to think about, but I like it. I like it. And there's, there's other things that are similar, like foreshadowing the MacGuffin, red herrings, the shaggy dog story, which I actually didn't know what that meant until I read the definition, but maybe I'll talk about those later too. Yeah. I feel like those are good ones too. Um, I don't know a lot about the shaggy dog, so that would be one that I would be interested to tune into. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Should I get started? Yeah. Why don't you go for it? Okay. Um, Okay. So today I'm going to share my cool sheets about astral projection and astral travel. Astral travel is considered esoteric to a lot of people, but I feel like recently people have gotten way more interested in it than I've ever seen before. Thank you to TikTok for that. I think a lot of people have learned about it recently because of apps like that. Basically what it is, is so you have like lucid dreaming or out of body experiences, which are regarded more as like science-based and real. But astral travel is really the same thing. You're just inducing it yourself. So essentially, you can achieve it through meditation, through different methods of meditation, similar to taking like certain psychedelic drugs like peyote or ayahuasca. Those can induce it as well. And there's also sacred frequencies, which can induce it. It allows you to access your higher self, an extra realm, and see like another reality that exists outside of the material version of what we know now. It's a really beautiful space. And I think a lot of people are terrified of the idea of doing it. But I think to know how it feels is helpful. So that's what I'm going to share really quickly. My first experience doing it, I got really dizzy. I thought I was going to throw up and like pass out, but I was laying down. So I don't really, it wouldn't have hurt me. And I know a lot of people who are scared about getting stuck. You can't get stuck, which is good. Yeah. I guess the other thing that I would say is like, it time passes differently in the other realms. So you'll think you're there for a very long time. You'll come out and it'll be like 30 minutes and that's very disorienting, but it's also because time is not linear. I could talk about this for a very long time. So I'll stop there for now, but there's more to be said on the topic, obviously. Okay. Yeah, this is absolutely so fascinating to me. And I'm so glad that you shared it in that you're on here. I have so many questions and we probably can't talk about, we're going to have to talk offline or we're going to have to have (laughs) you for a part two, three, four, and five or whatever. Um, Because this is fascinating to me. And I, like you said, I think a lot of people didn't think about this or want to think about it until recently. And I know that for me, I I was pretty much a non-believer in most everything until I went to Peru and had an, you know, a 10 day ayahuasca journey with a shaman. And, and then I was like, whoa, obviously I have no idea of what is out there because I definitely traveled (laughs) uh, to different places. And it was the first time where I was like, whoa, there's way more than we know about right now. And it was fascinating. I wasn't, I had definite, I, I took, I had four ceremonies and they were all different and they were some were really good, like the best of the best. And some were like the darkest I've ever experienced in my life, but all, I mean, it sounds like a cliche thing, especially cause ayahuasca kind of got popular in a weird way <laughs> uh, about the time I did it too, which was unfortunate, but whatever, but it sounds cliche, but it was life-changing. Like once you kind of experience something outside of yourself like that, 
uh, yeah, it changes everything. Yeah, really. Yeah, absolutely. It well, yeah, it'll change how you interact with your surroundings completely. And I feel like I think part of the reason that we've gained so much traction in like this community in the last six months is um, in part because people are experiencing a shift in time with the way that like quarantine happened. People are being forced to be more introspective. So you're seeing people who are actually like almost being pushed into being open to it because we're actually experiencing a dimensional shift. We are 3D beings living in a what appears to be a 3D universe, but it's actually like seven layers or something. And we're actually moving into 5D and move movements like this only happen every 2,600 years. Oh, wow. So this is what like the Mayan calendar predicted as the end of the world. We're actually shifting dimensionally. Mm. So that's, I think, why we're gaining like a large number of people who are like interested almost seemingly out of nowhere. Yeah. Which is really cool. And this is such a weird thing to bring up, but uh, also one, and this actually, this movie came out right after we got back from Peru and I saw Dr. Strange, which is a Marvel movie and like seems great, but they talk a, a, a lot about stuff like this. And there were so many, there were visuals that took me right back to Peru. And I was like, Whoa, did did everybody who wrote this and did the visuals, like, have they done ayahuasca? Like, have they been like, and they talk about different dimensions and the astral plane and, and all this stuff. And, you know, it's a dubbed a fantasy movie, but it's like, there's a lot of principles that, uh, that they talked about, which I thought was really cool. Cause that also, I think was just gave people a little bit more of an open mind to start having a conversation about it at least which I thought was kind of fascinating. Who would have thought from a Marvel movie? Yeah, it's interesting. We see it in a lot of like mainstream media. Like I feel like after I started traveling more regularly, I've seen a lot of stuff in like Netflix shows and that kind of thing where I'm like, oh, I've seen that before. These people probably also did some version of this. So it's interesting. Once you do it, you start to see stuff that you wouldn't have before. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, that happens. Like, you know, if you buy a certain kind of car, and then you see it all the time, all over the place, all of a sudden, things like that. But yeah, this, but there's definitely, there certainly has been a shift too. So it's just cool. It's really cool that, that this people are kind of experiencing this talking about it. I'm glad you shared it. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. It's so it's just it's, it's fascinating. And yeah, how to condense that into two minutes. You did a really good job. I (laughs) I could not have done it. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I didn't even come close to covering everything, but yeah. And the the good news is, um, on the show notes, we'll put a link where maybe people could find out more, and that way they can kind of go in depth too. And so this is just dip your toes in the water a little bit here, and if they want to learn more, we'll put a link for that on the show notes on our website. Okay. Um, well, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, if people want to learn more about you or that, uh, where where could they go? Uh, yeah, thank you for having me. It was great to talk even for a little bit. Um, yeah. People can find me at my Instagram or my website, which is just my name, Lauren.Mendoza. Or there's a lot of info on my TikTok about this particular subject. So if people want to delve more into astral travel, my TikTok is Shlomo, S-H-L-0-M-O. Nice. Yeah. And that's, you know, we've been friends for a few years now, at least. And 
I don't think I knew that kind of, you know, we just usually were at Sundance, we're talking about movies and, and, you know, this and that. Although I always knew we had more in common and you were like more interesting that we just haven't been able to talk about it. But then I saw your TikTok and I'm like, oh yeah, I knew it. I knew like we need to talk more. <laughs> so, and I would always like ask you questions on TikTok and things like that. So I'm, yeah, we, we have a lot more to talk about for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. All right. My next special Sundance family guest is another good friend of mine, Casey. Casey, thank you for joining us on the show. I'm stoked to be on this. Yes, this is going to be a lot of fun. So Casey is also works with us at The Egyptian. Uh, how long How long have you worked there? Oh, gosh. Because we've I've known been each other a while Sundance. now. Yeah, I think I've been up to Sundance 10 years but I've been volunteering for eight and I think I've been with your team for six. Okay. But I met you a couple years before joining the team. So yeah, so probably like eight years or so. Yeah. It's been a while. long time. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so why don't you tell us before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I'm a Southern California native, which seems to be a rarity. <laughs> People are always like, Oh, you're actually like from LA. I'm like, well, suburbs, but yes, LA. So born and raised, stayed here, never left. My background is in radio. I did 14 years with the station K-Rock here, behind the scenes stuff, 11 years of the morning show. Uh, got let go because COVID is just uh, the trend. And yeah, uh, and everybody so decides they don't need employees anymore. I know. So I, I'm. It's, it's allowing me to jump fully into film and TV production, which is what I really wanted to get into anyway, and just kind of fell into radio and got stuck there. So mm-hmm. now it's yeah. a whole new world of, you know, looking for jobs in a completely different field. Yeah. Yeah. Because there, I mean, radio and film, yeah, people might think that they're relatively similar and there might be tiny things, but it's basically a different planet. Yeah. I always, I always <laughs> say they're like, oh, what? I mean, you're, you're in in entertainment. I'm like, from what you're thinking of entertainment, it's entertainment adjacent, you know, we're the redheaded (laughs) stepchild of entertainment. Like, yes, it's entertainment. We have guests, we have celebrities, we have that type of thing. Other people listen to something you produce. Yeah. 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 It's the same, but totally different. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're going to work for five or six hours rather than 16. So yes, it's yeah. very different than film and TV production. <laughs> Although you did the morning show. So you, I always remember you talking about how the ungodly hours you did work though, like super early. Yeah. I'm not a morning person, but work, working morning <laughs> radio, I just kind of got accustomed to waking up in the morning. But then I also did work multiple jobs because being behind the scenes, it's not a glorious paycheck like it would be yeah. if I were talent. So I was having to supplement my income and, you know, dog walk as a side gig and work film festivals as a side gig and work events as a side gig. So all of these other things that I did, you know, was to supplement the income that I wasn't getting from my full-time job. So I really was working super long days like I would, you know, in TV and film production. They were just different jobs throughout the course of the day. Yeah. Yeah. A little little piecemeal here and there. Yes, totally. Very cool. And since this is radio, I will just describe the listeners right now. You have this wonderful purple hair right now and you kind (laughs) of, you change your, your hair color uh, relatively often. I mean, it's not like an everyday thing, but I always love the colors that you pick. And now this is like the, one of the most purple, right? That it's ever been. Yeah. This is broke uh, hair. This is, this is the, (laughs) I have to keep it one color because I do not have paychecks coming in. So I can maintain a solid color myself. 
so all of the multicolors uh, required a stylist, which I can no longer afford right now. So I finally did go yeah. once and said, hey, here's the purple shampoo that I have that I can re-up the color with. Do it as close to this color so that I don't need to come back to you until I can afford it again. So yeah. I've, I've had, I've had, you know, kind of purple as a main base for a lot of years, but with other yeah. embellishments, other highlighted colors and like that type yeah, of thing. But yeah. right now it's, it's pretty solid purple because uh, this is yeah. how I have to upkeep it myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like it. It's really Thank cool. You. Yeah. Your hair, when it's multi colors too, it's always very cool too, but solid purple's working too. <laughs> So Casey, you also did something really cool. You, and I want you to tell us about it. You watched a movie every day for a year. Is that, am I right? Yeah. In a theater. So not just sitting at home, picking a different film every day. Like I was getting my butt in a movie theater, 365 days of the year back in 2015. Yeah. That is so cool because that's one of those things that, well, I don't know. Some people would say, oh, my God, that sounds insane. Movie lovers would be like, oh, yeah, I could do that. But then saying it and actually doing it are totally different. Well, and I also put an extra twist on it. It had to have been something that I hadn't seen in a theater that calendar year. So it could have been something that I saw as a child or whatever. Okay. But I couldn't yeah. repeat things. It couldn't be like, oh, I'm going to go see, you know, the Avengers six Five times. times, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Like it, it wasn't going to be like yeah. that. It had to be something different every day. So it became a challenge. And it was like, how did you even do that? I'm like, I live in LA. Yeah. You know, we have art house theaters, we have retrospective theaters, we have, we do have all our big blockbusters and stuff, but those were always sure. on the back burner because I knew that at any time I could go see one of the blockbusters. They'll yeah, still fill be out the, the harder days where exactly. you're like, oh, shoot. Exactly. But, but I do remember there were days where you're like, <laughs> hey, everybody, I got to go see a movie today. <laughs> like, who? Yeah. I mean, it also worked to my benefit. And- it worked to my benefit also because I was working a lot of film festivals. You know, so yeah. I get to see, you know, every day for free. I, I didn't spend a lot of money. I had movie pass at the time also. And working in oh, radio, nice. I could yeah. see, um, I could see uh, advanced screenings to things, you know, press screenings. And with a lot of free time in between jobs, I could see a lot of like the test screens of things that were super early. So I actually didn't spend a ton out of pocket, which was wonderful. I couldn't have done it any other way. Right. The, only, the only times that it got tricky is I did go on a couple trips that year. And I remember knowing that, I was going to New Orleans and by the time I would have landed in New Orleans, it would have been too late to see a film out there. So instead the day before I saw like a 10 PM film at one theater, switched theaters and saw a 1205 (laughs) AM like a midnight when it came out. It was a different day. I just saw two back-to-back movies at two different theaters across town just to fulfill that day. So that I knew that I wouldn't, you know, because I knew that I wouldn't be able to do it in, in my travel day. Man, that is serious. That's awesome. Um, So did you make it every day? Did you miss any days? No, I did not miss a single day. I cut a few really close, like kind of like that one. Um, I had, I had ones where I had, um, there's another day that I took my dad to see you too. I think at the forum. And it was the first time in his life. My dad loves you too. And it was the first time he'd ever seen them. And I was like, okay, I have to see a movie, but I have to take my dad to see you too. It was a last minute free ticket. And uh, so I took my dad. And then as we got there, I was like, dad, instead of dropping me off at my apartment, can you drop me off at the Grove, you know, in LA, the theater? And he goes, I "I have to see a movie. He goes, what do you mean you have to see a movie? I'm like, I have to see a movie. I have to get my butt in there before midnight. So I got to the theater and it was um, the remake of Poltergeist. And, um, <laughs> I had seen it in a test screening, but the year before, so oh, technically so it qualified, it. 
but I was also about 10 minutes late to it because of trying to get there. But I had also seen it. So it's not like I missed anything. So in theory, if you're going to be that strict and say, oh, she didn't make it. Okay. I missed like the first 10 minutes of that, but Uh, I, but I made it. it My butt was there in a seat. (laughs) So it was, yeah, it did get tricky, but it was accomplished. That's amazing. I've done a photo a day challenge, uh, maybe three or four years. And I think on my best year, I think I still miss like seven days or something, maybe double digits, maybe in the low 10, 12. So yeah, every day. That's amazing. But how tough is it to sit on your couch and take a picture of your foot? Well, you know, yeah, but you can only do that so many times. I had, I, I also had like parameters. I want to make it more interesting. Okay. I wanted to make it, you know, I, but there were many times where I just took a shit around my house and <laughs> stuff around my house and trying to make it interesting and different yeah. angle. It's certainly and the reason why I did it is to see the world differently, to see things differently, yeah. be a little more creative on things, but yeah. It's like, and plus I didn't think it would be interesting for anybody to look at, put on Instagram. I'm like, people are really going to get like, you know, you feel like you have to perform a little bit or, or do something a little more interesting. So I was blogging when I started film watching that year. And I think I maybe got 50 or 60 days in. Yeah. Maybe even more. Maybe I got further well, that's, in. That's like two months. things. Then. And then I was and then I was just like, that's yeah, that's two tasks. Yeah. That's not only watching a movie, figuring out how that all works. Because at the time is when I had first started dog walking as well. So oh, I'm trying wow. to fit in my radio job and my dog walking and a film. So I'm I'm I was shifting everything constantly and trying to make it work. And it was it was a huge headache, but I, I did accomplish it. But the blogging thing at one point did finally have to stop. And I think that was when I was traveling a little bit. I was just like, I can't, I can't do can't this do and do that and do this and do that. <laughs> yeah. so, well, if you're doing just the movies, that's pretty amazing to me for sure. And I, I love movies, but dang. <laughs> yeah. People have asked me, would I do it again? On my own for free? No, probably not. It was just too much work. And right now yeah. I, I financially wouldn't be able to do it partly because there's no more movie pass, RIP movie pass. Right. But yeah, just time-wise, financially, my own sanity, I probably wouldn't do it again unless somebody wanted to be like, hey, I'll give you you know 10 grand to do this every day again. Yeah. Okay, I could do probably do it for that. show or up, something. Up into maybe 25 and we'll talk. <laughs> but, plus, yeah. yeah, plus they're paying for the movies and the popcorn. Yes, exactly. <laughs> pay, pay for my movies, buy me popcorn and the Dr. Pepper and then give me 25 grand and we'll, and we'll call it a deal. Yeah. There you go. Could be a YouTube special right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to get started, I think. And so my clue sheet for you, and I kind of, I actually, I picked this today and I kind of picked it because of you and I'm really looking forward <laughs> to our interaction afterwards, especially. So I'm going to be talking about a human and this human is, Chuck McCarthy and Chuck McCarthy is the people walker. So, Oh gosh. (laughs) Since (laughs) since you are a dog walker, I thought I I heard about this guy a couple years ago. So he lives in LA 
And a couple of years ago, he decided that he wanted to, he kept joking about, oh, I'm going to walk people. He would see dog walking signs and jobs and people that would do that. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to walk people and people would laugh. And then he kept thinking about it and he actually did it. He put on on street flyers, he'd say, you know, I'll, I'll walk you with you. So he charges, I think right now his going rate, I think it used to be cheaper, is $30 an hour and he will walk with Ooh. you. And, yeah. uh, and uh, he did a TEDx talk in 2019. And this has become like, he's kind of known for this. He gets interviewed from all over the world. And his mission statement is creating momentum in people's lives through uh, movement and connection. And what I like about this, and he does not take himself seriously. He is very funny. <laughs> he's got this gigantic beard and long hair and this like hand drawn shirt that says the people walker and super just cuts jokes. But he also talks about some serious stuff about why this is so appealing to people. First, motivation and safety is a big concern for some people. They need an accountability partner and maybe they, a stranger is easier than a friend or whatever. Also safety, uh, just walking alone. Some people aren't comfortable with that. And then now compound that with COVID times where there's all this mass isolation and people are lonely, but he's very safe. You know, he does go say, I take the proper precautions, blah, blah, blah. And he's still doing it. So anyway, this is Chuck McCarthy, the people walker. Interesting. Yeah, it's funny. Being from LA, I've seen those signs up on light <laughs> And I remember funny. hearing about him a few years ago, and I've never seen him in person. But no, that is pretty funny. And that when I was, you said, you know, $30 an hour to, to kind of people walk. And I was like, wow, that's expensive. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's what I charge to dog walk also. <laughs> so. Oh, that's funny. Well, yeah, and he's only one person. I mean, I don't think he does groups, but. <laughs> well, but see, that's, I mean, I get it and I don't at the same time because yeah. in one regard, it's like, wow, who's paying $30 to just have some random dude walk yeah. around with you for whatever reason, yeah. you know? But on the other hand, there probably are some people that appreciate the companionship or people who just are like, this is quirky. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, yeah, like exactly. LA has all kinds of quirky stuff I and mean, we have goat yoga, you know, yeah. which I know oh, yeah. has been making we the rounds, you know, in other places as well. And, uh-huh. you know, just kind of super, super random things that, you know, people are kind of getting into and, and it's, you know, maybe not a longstanding career, right. um, but for the time being, <laughs> it's kind of cool and quirky and people can kind of jump on board and see how it is and, you know, make interesting connections that way. Yeah. And I'm, you know, well, of course he lives in LA. He's a uh, mostly unemployed actor. You know, that is his, what he, he, he wants to be an actor. He's acted in some things, but he had to get it, you know, so instead of getting the, whatever, the stereotypical uh, waiter job or, you know, bartender. Yeah, exactly. So he decided to do people walking. And yeah, I think that a lot of people kind of might do it as a joke, but he has like regulars. Yeah. Like he has people now that he texts and walks with, well, he texts with some daily and he, and he walks with them quite often. And, uh, yeah, it, you know, when, in his Ted talk, especially he's such a quirky guy and he, and he's always cracking jokes. And like I said, he never takes himself seriously, but he talks about some really, some very real things too, about loneliness, about people like, especially, uh, just male companionship is sometimes, Hard for people, hard for other guys to, and this is, I found really interesting that guys feel weird just walking together because they might, some, someone might 
think something different of them, you know, like that's why guys like to do sports or go hunting or fancy football or, you know, these bro activities or whatever, you know, it reminds me of the movie. I love you, man, where he doesn't have any male friends and pretty much has to put out applications with yeah. you know, friends of friends to be his, yeah. you know, bridal part or not bridal party, but his groomsmen. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. So it, it is interesting that it, that there's a, uh, there's actually some bigger, like kind of real, you know, psychology. And the person that I, I read this article about him got, you know, down to studies um, from people about, oh, he also, this guy, he loves small talk, which I love because a lot of people blow <laughs> off small talk and they hate it. And he said that that's really the building blocks of building a relationship with somebody is small talk. And then they refer to a study about people, how they, you know, that we're social beings and we like to connect with people and even small talk is still a connection. And that's why we, we still do it. And, and I love how this guy like just embraces it. He's like, no, it's the best thing. I mean, and he's probably really good at it when you're walking people every day. Yeah, well, really and, also, and also coming from, you know, a, a field where you're acting and you're getting to yeah. know different people on the daily. And especially for somebody who's, you know, like him, who doesn't have an established name in the industry. So he's you're probably right. doing, you know, a lot of extra stuff and whatever, yeah. where maybe it'll be bit roles and little tiny speaking parts. But you're getting to know everybody else around you to kind of have that, you know, community and camaraderie that when you see people again on another job, you have that familiarity. And so even just small talk, it's like, oh, that guy, you know, I don't know much about him, but at least he was super friendly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's really cool. I just thought it was hilarious that I just happened to come across it right before (laughs) I knew we were going to tape. And I'm like, this is kind of perfect. She, she's dog. You do a lot of dog walking. I'm like, I'm talking about a people walker. (laughs) Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, you are up. All right. So in my uh, unemployed months during COVID, I have been watching a lot of freaking TV, as probably many of you are. I mean, there's so many different platforms out right now. There's Netflix, there's Hulu, there's whatever. I recently had Apple TV Plus, and I found a show called Ted Lasso, and it is with Jason Sudeikis. And it is based on a character that was created for like an NBC sports commercial promo type thing a number of years ago where he was a um, college football coach who was then hired to be an English Premier League soccer coach and knew nothing of the sport, you know, and whatever. Well, when you have things like that and somebody creates a TV show out of a little bit sketch, like you, it happens a lot on like Saturday Night Live and like those type of shows they don't usually take off and become successful. And even the ones who do take off a little bit are not usually good. This is one of the most heartfelt, charming, just good natured TV shows that I've seen in a long time. And I feel that in times like this, where, you know, you have so much, you know, political turmoil and you have, you know, a lot of people dealing with depression just from life changes and no job and no finances and just everything that's going on. It's a show that is just really feel good. And he is just a lovable guy. And I I don't want to give away much of the plot or whatever, but you you get it pretty quickly on that he's hired kind of as a joke to tank the soccer team. And he's not aware of it. And he just wants everybody to like him and everybody to get along and everybody just to be happy. And they're just like, who is this guy and why is he like this? And it's only 30 minutes an episode. It's only 10 episodes. So you can blow through it real quick, like legit in an evening. It got picked up for season two, just one week into the broadcast, the broadcast, whatever the 
the airing of it and it is weekly on Apple TV plus. And then as of, um, as of recently, they got picked up for season three before season two even starts shooting. They don't even go into production in the UK until January. So season three is already a go and I couldn't be more excited. Nice. Okay. So Ted Lasso, that's, that's why I didn't know. I, for some reason I forgot there's only one season. That's yeah. 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 It started over the summer and I, I jumped on like right when it started, I'm like, Oh, this could be cute. And my boyfriend who is not a sports guy in any way, shape or form. I was like, just watch it with me. It's Jason Sudeikis. He's super likable. He's like, I don't give a crap about sports. I'm like, just watch (laughs) it with me. And he goes, okay, this show's really good. It's, it's oh, so wow. well written and it's very, it's, it's very sweet, very good natured, very, very charming, but still has that quick witted bite to it. So yeah. it's not just super sappy. It's definitely got, you know, the tongue in cheek British humor and it's wonderful. Nice. Well, gosh, Apple, app, the Apple service is one of the only ones I don't have right now. So maybe this, maybe I'll have to. Well, and my thing was, I wasn't planning on getting it either, but knew that you know, moving forward in my career, I was going to need an actual laptop because I pretty much run on my phone. So in buying a new MacBook Air, it was free for a year. So if anybody's oh, needing nice. to buy a new iPhone or a new iPad or any sort of like Apple device, it'll yeah. be included for a year. And oh, even nice. if it's not, it'll at least be a free seven day trial for anybody who wants to give it a shot. So oh, I, I posted a thing on, on Instagram the other day saying, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. It got picked up for a third season. If anybody hasn't watched it yet, how are we still friends? And I had so <laughs> many, so many DMs in my inbox just saying, because I don't have Apple TV plus and I don't want to buy anything else. And I'm like, well, um, there's a seven day trial and you can blow through it in an evening. So now you have no excuses. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. Actually, the the seven day, I've kind of forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, because 30 minute, I do love shows that are, well, first of all, lighthearted, like you said, we yeah. need that re- really, even more so than usual we need that right now with everything going on and and yeah the 30 like I love 30s because they're just they're so fast yeah if you're if you're doing anything at the time it's just like I just need a break Eh, 30 minutes cool done and done yeah you know and and you do have to be paying attention but you don't have to do a lot of thinking watching it yeah so it's you know it's great in that regard sometimes yeah now did it come out once a week or did they just release them all at once yeah it was once a week so the way that the apple tv plus does things is once a week so i I had watched previously uh had watched the morning show which is also great on apple tv plus and that got picked up for a second season as well so i watched that and ted lasso hadn't started yet so because Mm. i already knew that i had apple tv plus i was like oh i'll give this new show a shot i do like jason sudeikis I love sports. I love soccer. So, yeah. um, you know, I'll jump on and watch this. And it just had its season premiere a few weeks ago, or season uh, finale a few weeks ago. Oh, nice. Um, okay. So it's it's now gearing up for production of season two sometime in January. Yeah. Uh, I love it. You must not that. be the only one that likes it if it's already season two and three renewed. Yes. Because that's, yes. that's sometimes rare these days, you know? And especially with, with shows like on these standalone platforms. Yeah. It's tough because you just, it's subscribership. So it's yeah. not like they're selling ads on it. Yeah. So I, I still don't know how they make their money. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anybody, but does. they're pumping a lot of money into these things. And, you know, at least yeah. it's a good return on a, on a good show. And like people ask me, you know, well, describe the show. I'm just like, it's just delightful. Like, I don't yeah. even know how to describe it other than it is just a damn delight. So, <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. It's wonderful. That's so cool. Well, 
I think you've sold me on it. I'm going to have to check it out because especially because yes. I still want to be friends. So, you know, but it also sounds cool. So nice job. Thank you so much. And thanks for being on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me. If people want to get a hold of you, how could they do that? Do you have social media? Uh, or what do you got? I am on Instagram a lot. My handle is at Casey Thea, C-A-S-E-Y-T-H-E-A. Thea is my middle name that I hated until I was 25 and then all of a sudden turned a corner and like it. But yeah, so Casey Thea is my Instagram handle. Man, that's probably the best way to reach me and I'm on there a lot because I uh, still am not working. (laughs) Well, great. And we'll have those links and stuff on our show notes too on our website. So you can always look for that if you're listening and you're in the car. 10bestest.com slash Sundance fam will take you right to this episode and you can click on for more info. Sweet. Um, Okay. Well, cool. Thanks again. Thank you. Want to learn more about this week's cool sheets? Head on over to 10bestest. That's 10bestest.com for links to all of our cool sheets. And sign up for our monthly newsletter with bonus cool sheets and other fun stuff. 10 Bestest will be back with an all-new episode next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern.